As the Rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live call, music, hymns and liturgy, together with prayers and a sermon specially recorded for each service, and with readings led by members of our choir and congregation and recorded in their own homes. We shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with ours, and may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. is risen. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's for our choral Eucharist on this the second Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world right now and however you are listening to us we hope that you will feel part of the St Bride's family. We sit or kneel for our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sins with a sincere and true heart. Almighty God, 
our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty Father, you have given your only Son to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification. Grant us so to put away the leaven of malice and wickedness that we may always serve you in pureness of living and truth through the merits of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 2, beginning at the 14th verse. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man 
handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. For seeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, beginning at the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that a genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, the 20th chapter, beginning at the 19th verse. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was, was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In one of my Good Friday addresses just over a week ago, I described how the reputation of Judas was increasingly blackened as the tradition around him developed. Although his betrayal of Jesus was unquestionably terrible, if you look at the earliest gospel account of the man and his deeds, one is left with the clear impression that his actions are much more likely to have been those of a disillusioned idealist than of the thief and the liar that he was subsequently judged to have been. And if that were the case, then for me at least, it makes far more sense of his place within the inner circle of Jesus, too. Today, I would like to rehabilitate another of the disciples, the one who features in today's Gospel reading, Thomas. History remembers him as the one who lacked faith, the one who refused to believe in the resurrection of Christ, hence his famous epithet, Doubting Thomas. But I have to say that had I been in Thomas's shoes, I suspect I would have responded in exactly the same way that he did. And more than that, I think that his need to experience the truth for himself is something that is actually very important for reasons that I shall explain. I can't help feeling that perhaps we ought to be calling him instead Thomas the justifiably sceptical, although admittedly it doesn't trip off the tongue quite so easily. Just imagine for a moment that you had been one of the closest followers of Jesus, a member of his inner circle. Like the other disciples, you had seen him arrested and tortured and crucified and left utterly and unquestionably dead. 
And a few days later, there are your fellow disciples telling you, he's alive again. Wouldn't you have struggled to believe what they were telling you? Wouldn't you have wanted proof that this really was the crucified Jesus, wounds and all who had risen from the dead? I'm pretty sure that I would have done. And more than that, I think that we can perhaps all learn one very important lesson from Thomas. I once had a fascinating conversation with a man whom I met at a study centre where I happened to be staying, who ended up telling me his life story. As a young man, he had been a professional dancer with one of the country's leading ballet companies. At the time, he was also a very enthusiastic Christian, passionate about his faith. And it was his faith that eventually led him to decide that dance, which he had always loved, was actually a very selfish thing for him to be spending his life doing. After all, he thought, if he was really serious about his religious belief, surely he should be out in the world doing good and spreading the good news, not wasting his time doing something as trivial as dance. So, although it was a terrible wrench for him to do so, he turned his back on the life of a professional dancer and he trained to do other things instead, which is what makes the thing that happened next so unimaginably awful, because, quite simply, he lost his faith completely and he was left with nothing. His life was in pieces, but it was the reason why he lost his faith that brings us back to the significance of Thomas the disciple. And the way that former dancer described it to me was this. He had gradually come to realize that the whole of his Christian belief was in fact rooted in other people's experiences and not his own. He had gradually come to realize that the whole of his Christian belief was in fact rooted in other people's experiences and not his own. He had always accepted what he had been told unquestioningly and uncritically. But at some deep level, by his own admission, he had never really made that faith his own. He had never experienced its reality for himself. And so, once doubts began to encroach upon him, he found that the whole edifice upon which he had, had constructed his new life collapsed suddenly and dramatically. He was left surveying both the rubble of the former career that he had loved but abandoned and the meaningless fragments of what he had regarded as his Christian life. He was so lost, and I could have wept when I heard his story. The reason why I like Thomas is because he wants to test the truth of the claims that the people around him are making. He wants to know the reality of that truth for himself. He wishes to experience it for himself. And I, for one, find it very difficult to condemn him for that. One of the great founding fathers of Anglican tradition, the Elizabethan priest and theologian Richard Hooker, is very interesting on the subject of the authority of the Bible. How do we know that the Bible is authoritative, he asks. And his answer is that we do so by a two-stage process. First, given that we have the evidence of centuries of Christian witness going before us, testifying to the power of the living word of Scripture, we can begin by suspending our disbelief and giving it a go. But the really important stage comes next, the second stage, 
which is when, through our own reading of the scriptures and our own prayerful reflection upon them, we discover that truth for ourselves. That is the bit that really matters. And so it is with faith. Start by suspending your disbelief and giving it a go. But it is essential that through living it, through experiencing it, you also discover its truth for yourself. We may not have the benefit of the risen Lord appearing to us in person as Thomas did, but we can most certainly discover its reality for ourselves once we learn to open our eyes to see it. But what on earth does that mean now, here, today, in the midst of this pandemic? I have heard more than one person ask the question, why is God allowing this to happen? On Easter Day, we proclaimed the dawn of new life and new hope on the very day that the death toll from coronavirus exceeded 10,000 for the first time. Where on earth is the risen Christ in all this? The priest and poet Malcolm Geit is well known to us here at St Bride's through his involvement with the British Guild of Agricultural Journalists, whose annual service we host here each year. He has both preached and read his poetry in our church. And he has just written a new poem, so new that it is entitled Easter Sunday 2020. It is a poem that tackles this question head on during this strange Eastertide when all our churches have been locked and bolted. And you will hear too reference to the applause that rings out each Thursday evening for our amazing healthcare workers and carers. Where is the risen Christ? Now, today. Here is Malcolm Geitz's take on the matter. The poem, Easter Sunday, 2020. And where is Jesus this strange Easter day? Not lost in our locked churches any more than he was sealed in that dark sepulchre. The locks are loosed, the stone is rolled away, and he is up and risen long before, alive at large, and making his strong way into the world he gave his life to save. No need to seek him in his empty grave. He might have been a wafer in the hands of priests this day, or music from the lips of red-robed choristers. Instead, he slips away from church, shakes off our linen bands to don his apron with a nurse. He grips and lifts a stretcher, soothes with gentle hands the frail flesh of the dying, gives them hope, breathes with the breathless, lends them strength to cope. On Thursday we applauded, for he came and served us in a thousand names and faces, mopping our sickroom floors and catching traces of that virus which was death to him. Good Friday happened in a thousand places where Jesus held the helpless, died with them, that they might share his Easter in their need. Now, 
they are risen with him, risen indeed. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you announce your peace to your disciples. Give that peace to your church in these difficult times, that we may continue to offer worship to you, remotely and in many different ways, yet still together. Breathe into your church the Holy Spirit, so that those who are able to minister to others may continue to do so with grace and compassion. In particular, we give thanks and pray for the work of our hospital chaplains. Give our church leaders the wisdom to guide us through these days of uncertainty, that they may draw on your peace to nurture us and sustain us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, you announce your peace to our communities. Give that peace to all who care for the sick, the anxious, the bereaved, to all who make life-changing decisions day by day as they allocate resources and tend to those in their care. We give thanks for all those in our health service, doctors, nurses and those helping to support them, for our social workers and health visitors and for the staff in our care homes, for all those who put their own lives at risk to help others. And we give thanks for those who keep our supply chain open, lorry drivers, shop workers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, you announce your peace to the injured and battered people. Give that peace to all who are affected by the virus and other illnesses, to those in hospital or at home to those whose treatment has been delayed by the pressures on the health service, to those self-isolating with relatives and loved ones, to those who are afraid to seek help which they desperately need. May they all know your healing presence in their hour of need. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, you announce your peace in the face of death. Give that peace to all those who have died or who are now approaching death. Be with them and with their relatives who may not be able to comfort them in person. Bring light to the darkness of death and rejoicing to the place of tears. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, you announce your peace to the world Give that peace to the governments of the world 
as they struggle to do what is best for us. And give that peace to us, that we may behave responsibly to each other in the coming weeks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, long ago, you announced your peace to your disciples. They proclaimed the good news of your resurrection and the world was changed forever. In these changing and challenging times, teach us to keep faith with them, that our witness may be as bold, our love as deep, and our faith as true. As we say together, merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the tender mercy of our God, the day spring from on high has broken upon us to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadows of, a shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. 
Blessed be God forever.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God, our Father, through our Saviour Jesus Christ, you have assured your children of eternal life and in baptism have made us one with him. Deliver us from the death of sin and raise us to new life in your love in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go. <laughs>